a day of honor for moms. For every mother in every stage of life, today is a day of honor. We honor moms of infants and little ones. May God bless you with patience, kindness, and perseverance. And may you believe that your never-ending job will help bring true life to the generations that follow. We honor moms of teenagers. May God give you grace upon grace. And may you travel this uncertain journey together with them as they transition from child to adult. We honor women who are trying to have children, but who are not yet able. It took courage and resolve to come to church today. May God gently remind you that he has not forgotten you. And may you become newly inspired to keep your eyes fixed on the light of his gaze. We honor grandmothers today. May God give you the grace to see the good that you provided to your own children. And may you help inspire your grandkids to follow Jesus with every step they take. And finally, we honor moms who have lost children prematurely. May God be your strength and comfort on a day like today. And may you rise stronger than ever to be a blessing to others. For those we mentioned and for the many unidentified moms that we didn't, God has always used a mother's love and strength to make known his own love and strength. In your best moments and in your imperfections, the glory of God is shining through you. Happy Mother's Day. the rising of 
That's fair. I think they just make us clap so they can laugh at us sometimes. I think that's what they do, at least me. Uh, if you're online, we're glad you're with us. I apologize for the fact that I looked down and I didn't realize my mic was on. So that means you heard me singing, and I apologize for that. Uh, so don't hold that against the church for me. But if you are joining us, we're glad you're here with us this morning. And uh, glad you're a part of what we're doing. If you have any questions about today's service, Richard's online uh, to reach out to. If you've got prayer requests, there's a tab at the bottom. We'd love to know how we can be a blessing and pray for you, but we're glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, just a couple of things here. Just a, a wonderful Friday took place. And all because, uh, give credit where credit's due, because of Amanda's heartbeat. Uh, she reached out, and uh, Frank and myself had the opportunity to uh, drive to Sherman, and uh, it was well worth the drive. Well, uh, to Sherman by way of Oklahoma, we'll put it that way. And uh, uh, all was good until we got verbal directions from Amanda and not uh, text directions. So, But by way of Oklahoma, we made it to Sherman, which was our original destination. But, no, again, for Amanda's heartbeat, uh, one of her patients that she has been reaching out to, and, and uh, she just called me and said, Todd, I just I don't know for sure, and uh, can we find out? And I said, by all means, and uh, Frank wanted to be a part of it. God bless him. So we drove up there, had a great time driving back and forth. But long story short, the main part of the story, his name is Aaron. Aaron's a fairly young man, maybe in his late 30s, I think, at, uh, 38, 7, 6. 31, very young man. So 31 years old, uh, he has congestive heart failure very seriously. Uh, the doctors basically told him he's uh, in need of a heart transplant, which that's a very narrow list to say the least. It's a very difficult surgery. Uh, oh, so <laughs> you stumped me there. I thought, man, a lot happens in 48 hours. <laughs> it is a miracle. Uh, yes, he did get a heart transplant. So uh, Frank and I got to go up there, talk to him, and uh, we got to share the gospel. I'm start with my testimony, asked him if we could share it. He said, yeah, I'd love to hear it. As Frank and I went through it, got through, he was just humbly. He goes, I've, I've never heard that before. 
And so there in the hospital room, uh, Aaron uh, was willing to uh, bow his head and pray and accept Christ as a Savior and got his heart transplant. And uh, so I uh, told him that we would pray for him as a church because he's going to need a lot of prayer. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have insurance, uh, and we know how our insurance system works and the medical industry works, and it's about money for the most part, sadly. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult. It appears, unless God intervenes, uh, as far as the physical goes, to address his heart. But the most important thing, as Stephen said, we he got to address his heart spiritually. And uh, he is a brother in Christ. And uh, so we're going to pray for him in a second. But uh, I want to add this. And, and please, I shared this with somebody. And, and it's sometimes it can be heavy when you hear it this way. And it's not meaning to be with guilt or you know to question but when we got there he was very open he said oh no i you know introduced myself as a man as pastor and we wanted to pray for him he goes oh thank you i need all the prayer i can get he said i've had so many people tell me they're praying for me and i got a lot of people i asked to pray for me so there's prayers taking place and so uh, we did we shared with him but but here's here's my point okay and please catch this point this young man has a lot of people praying for him, which he does need. But yet in all those prayers, nobody asked him if he knew his Lord and Savior. Now, now keep the, uh, you got to understand this. We, we have to understand the seriousness of this. We cannot pray anybody into heaven. You can't pray anybody into heaven. Now, you can pray for somebody's heart to be open to hear the gospel, but that means somebody has to bring forth the gospel to them. And so prayer is powerful. Prayer is needed. And we need to always be praying. But to be praying for a lost soul that if God did a miracle physically, that soul's still going to hell even though the physical's been restored. And that's why it's so sad in the sense of Christianity, the realm of it, the gospel is not shared. Lord knows, I say that Lord knows, that heaven is obviously bombarded with prayer requests. Everybody's got prayer requests. Some are selfish, some are needful, some are scriptural, but heaven's not short of prayer. What's heaven short of is those that are getting prayer or make sure they're getting the gospel too. And so we're just humbled that God was able to use Frank and myself, more importantly, that the Holy Spirit was able to get Amanda's heart and bring that to her attention and for her to share that need, to pass that need forward. But so we're going to pray for Aaron, ask that you continue to pray for him. And uh, we invited him to join us online. I don't know if he was able to get the link or not, but uh, hopefully maybe he's joining us. But uh, let's pray this morning for Aaron specifically, then we'll move on with our announcements. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to meet Aaron. We thank you for Amanda's heartbeat and concern that uh, while she uh, ministered to this young man physically, uh, you know, through hospice and, and uh, did all she can do and doing what she can do for him physically as well as doctors and nurses, that, Father, she was able to see the spiritual within it. And, Father, that this opportunity was right, that uh, his spiritual heart was ready to hear the truth, and uh, he got to hear it plainly and simple, but most importantly that, he accepted you as his Lord and Savior. So we pray now that he's got his spiritual heart, as Stephen said, 
We're going to pray for his physical heart. We pray that you would move to this situation for his life, through his family, his kids, in a way that would show your hand in his life in a way that he's never seen before. So comfort him, strengthen him in every way you can uh, spiritually, uh, and just pray that uh, you would move uh, open doors and, and do what will be your perfect will in his life. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, just continue to pray for him. So very exciting news. Uh, other things forthcoming, we got our car wash this Friday for our children's camp. So if you're passing by Friday afternoon from 4 to 7, swing by, get your car washed, and uh, be a blessing to the children, uh, get the word out, let family and friends know. We're going to so have a sign-up sheet. We're having what? A sign-up sheet for, for the car wash. It's this coming Friday. Yes. So we need parents and kids to sign up so we know who's going to be here. Oh, okay. All the money we raise will go to the kids that are here, family members that are here first, and then the rest will go. Okay. Where will the sign-up sheet be? I'm going to stick it right out there. Okay, the so it'll be right there in the lobby. So uh, sign up, let uh, uh, Ron and them know that you and your kids will be here. Uh, and that's a good point. The money first goes to those that actually put uh, some sweat equity into it. And uh, then it'll go from there. So look for the sign-up sheet out there. If you can't find to get with Rhonda, make sure you get your children's names down so they know what to be prepared for. And uh, continue to pray for the camp as a whole. So uh, be a great forum. We're excited about that. And then this is important. I really need your help on this. As you can see, we got a church spring cleaning coming up. That is not a church cleaning just in and of itself. Uh, we have been, uh, we got shelving that we're going to bring in. We've already kind of maxed out our storage down here on the first level. Stephen was a blessing in putting the steps in for us to getting up to the uh, attic space that we have. We need to put that to better use. So it's going to be kind of a, you know, I'm going to ask for your investment on your Saturday. We need a good four, five, six hours. We need to come up here as a church family. There's things that we need to get rid of. Uh, for just are just trash items that are taking up space. We need to get things upstairs in the attic and shelving and put in an appropriate place that frees up space downstairs. I know the ladies are wanting to move a lot of the kitchen to underneath the sound booth. The things that are in the sound booth really needs to go upstairs. So it's going to be a uh, spring cleaning in that sense. So if you would, make sure you come next Saturday. We'll start at 9 o'clock uh, with your shirt sleeves rolled up. And we'll have a plan of action before you get here on what goes where and what we're going to do. But the more we get involved, the faster that will go. But this is a big need because after four years or four and a half years, we're kind of maxed out down here on the first floor. Amen? So please mark your calendar. Come be a part of that as long as you can. Uh, Wednesday night, still encourage you to get involved with our fellowship dinner at 6 o'clock. And, of course, that leads into our journey groups at 7 o'clock. We only have a few weeks left in our journey group. Uh, ministry, and then uh, we'll be uh, going back momentarily to our traditional Wednesday, but then uh, kind of excited about our next phase of what we're going to roll out for uh, something similar to journey groups going forward. So close out strong with that. Come be involved, and uh, that's a blessing in itself. Yes, sir. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's that time of year. Uh, copperheads will be active this time during We are a uh, quote-unquote country, a rural church, so keep your eye out for it. Uh, before you kill it, come get me. I want to see it first. So, uh, 
No, you don't. I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. As soon as I said that, I realized that was wrong. All these kids. No. So anyway, thank you, KJ, for sharing it with us. Keep an eye out. All right. I think that's it. Uh, gentlemen, if we come forward and we pray for our service this morning. Father, we come before you this morning. Um, thank you for another uh, another day that we get to draw breath. Um, Lord, today is Mother's Day, so we recognize all of the uh, women, all of the ladies, all the mothers. Uh, we thank you for the tremendous blessing that moms have giving us life, uh, ensuring that we stay alive. Um, so we ask that you would bless all the women here today. Uh, please bless, bless Brother Todd and the message that you have. Uh, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts and minds to know you. Um, thank you for this offering. I ask that you would bless it. Bless the hands that give and uh, offering for your kingdom. In your name, amen. stand with us we are going to continue our time of worship I heard about old story
great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh, God, you do great things. You know, today while we're thinking about mothers, I, I think about my own mom. She's been in heaven since 2009. And my mom grew up in two generations of alcoholism with my grandfather and my dad. She, was, she wasn't a drinker at all or anything like that. But most of her life and most of my childhood with her was her just trying to survive. And I say that because I want you to understand, wherever your race starts, it doesn't matter how it starts, it matters how it finishes. And while my mom took care of my dad through his cancer, he got saved, and she didn't. <laughs> but when she was, uh, when he passed away, she came to our church and brought the Steve Smith letter to the Lord. And what a change. She would call me because she was so excited about having that love and having that just pressure taken off and trying to measure up and having somebody that accepted her like she was. She would call me after work after she'd discussed God with somebody and say, now did I tell them right? I told them this and this and is that, I, I believe that's what the Bible says, I want to be sure. And, you know, in, in just the few short years, I had more of a Christian mother than I would have ever had if I had grown up with one. And I just want to say that to let you know, at 55, she got saved. And at 55 years old, she had a relationship with God that went all the way through to her being bedridden and calling me and saying, I don't, I need to figure out a way I can serve. And so we decided she could write letters to servicemen and share the gospel. So from her bed, if, with months to live, that's what my mom did. And to me, she's a hero of your faith. And I just say all that to let you know your journey can start today, no matter how old you are, and it can end and finish well. My mom was a virtuous woman all of her Christian life, and she finished well. And I, you know, I just want to give her the honor for that today because she's the cloud of witnesses that watches me try to emulate that and try to finish well. So let's come to the altar and talk to a God who will help you start your journey any day and help you finish well.
You believe. 
Happy Mother's Day. I brought a tear to my. We were blessed. We had a wonderful mom. And she did a, a lot with a little, for sure. And uh, many of us, have, our moms have gone on and and uh, brings a lot of memories in different ways. But uh, just pray we can rejoice today where we can. The mom's here this morning. We're so thankful for you and what you have to put up with and, uh, and what you endure. But I think it was, uh, I think it was Betty White. Is that that older lady, comedian? Betty White, she said, uh, I saw it just yesterday about the perils of motherhood, the hardships of it, and how difficult it is. And that uh, if it wasn't, so difficult if it was easy, then men would have done it. Or some of <laughs> so probably a lot of truth in that. And uh, all right, this morning is a lesson that is not on my screen. Where'd it go? Uh, there it is. A uh, lesson that came about uh, from a visit that Brother Brad and I made, had the privilege to make. And uh, I still didn't even get it. It was Brother Brad that brought it to my attention after we left. And uh, it, it, it wasn't obviously of me, and thank goodness, because you wouldn't want to hear anything I had to say. But uh, during the visit, the Holy Spirit just started speaking through me. It just kind of said something that I've never said before. I've never crossed my mind before. I never even studied it, looked for context of it. It just, I just spoke it. And it was kind of a moment of silence, and somebody said, wow, you need to preach that. And uh, I was like, preach what? I don't know what really what I just said. And, uh, and then Brother Brad and I were talking about it on the way home, and I thought, well, I can't preach about it if I don't know about it. And, you know, I acknowledged it was from the Holy Spirit. So when I got home and started doing some reading, it was like, well, that was from the Holy Spirit because it's right here in the Scriptures. And I've never seen it before, so I'm going to share it for the first time, and we'll see if it's a blessing for you as well. Uh, it's not a traditional Mother's Day message, but if you know me, you don't get much tradition out of me, as far as that goes. But uh, we'll be in Hebrews this morning, and uh, we'll get to it momentarily. Uh, but when you think of the cross, the cross is, is precious, needless to say, to believers, to those who know what it means to them. The strength of it, the power of it, the, the, what all it provides us. But at the time, if you think of the, uh, of the time that it happened, the cross was catastrophic. I mean, even to the disciples. And, and remember the, the sermon on the Emmaus Road? The two guys were walking and said, what's going on? We thought we had our Messiah. We thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government. We thought he was our deliverer. And they're walking back like this is perilous. We're back where we started. But yet it was through the cross that victory was won. It was through the hardest, most painful, the most enduring moment in, a, in history that any one man that's ever gone through that paid our debt in full. And what appeared to be catastrophic was glorious, unbeknownst to man at the time. It overcame our great enemy, our big problem. Our God's greatest victory was won through agony and through suffering and through pain. So should it be surprising that us as Christians should avoid all pain and suffering? 
The Bible tells us we won't avoid pain and suffering. It says, as our Savior, paraphrasing, as our Savior did, so will we. So there are those who will tell you that suffering only becomes because we lack faith. Or suffering becomes because, like Job's friends, there's disobedience in your life. There'll be some, even believers, that will, in a way, point fingers at God. That God's being a meanie or God's not being fair. But those are lies. We know they're lies. In this broken world, because of the broken world, we will have suffering. But also, we're going to have suffering and pain because we live in a fallen world that is ruled and controlled by Satan and his imps. And we're forced to endure with them. We're forced to be in their presence, so to speak. So, the, you know, the Bible scriptures tell us, you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but the, you know, spiritual darkness and wickedness that's around us. The battle that's going on is a spiritual battle. And again, this is not our home. This is just a journey we're passing through. And so the point is this morning, what I want to encourage you about, that even though there's hurting, there's healing in the process. And we got to find and see where that healing is, and we got to focus on that healing. So to do so, we're going to look at Hebrews. And uh, I'm not sure how God is about us saying we have favorite books. Uh, I think Brother Brad has mentioned more, most recently God's been taking him through Ecclesiastes and, and how much that's really kind of like one of his favorite books now. I love Isaiah. Uh, but truth be known, all of God's books, all of God's words should be our favorite. And we've got to be careful to say this is our favorite or I don't really read this book because it's, it's confusing or it's boring, chronicles and lamentations. We've got to understand there's truth buried within that that we don't want to avoid. But Hebrews is another one of my books that I enjoy. And I think Hebrews is going to encourage all of us this morning because the way it was written, it was written to Christians that were on the edge, so to speak. They were starting to doubt their faith. They were struggling in their faith. And so while we don't know exactly who the author is of Hebrews, uh, you know, it could possibly be Paul or, you know, others, but the author is definitely writing to believers that are struggling in their walk. So we're going to use it this morning, and I think you're going to see how it jumps out and brings clarity to it. Now, when you think of Hebrews, one of my favorite verses within Hebrews it's chapter 12, verse 1, and it tells us that we are encompassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. And, and that, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's right there. Lay aside every weight that would, is sin which does easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. And, and so in this verse, what I like about this cloud of witnesses uh, that's compassed about, that, that word in the Greek, it literally means to be encircled. And so we have this promise that if you read in context, if you go back and look at the Hall of Faith chapter in chapter 11, it, it talks about the, uh, the saints that have gone before us. I know that rain's tough. Are you all able to hear me okay? Mark, they say it needs to be louder. So I'll try to, we'll try to get through this, all right? So just give me a sign, up, down, point your ears or something. We'll do what we can. But, but the, hall of, you know, the hall of faith, we got these saints that went before us. We got loved ones that have gone before us. And so we have these saints, these believers in heaven 
that are rejoicing, one, because there are they not in the presence of the glory of God. And so they're like, and I know this is a, a very loose illustration, and, but they're like spiritual cheerleaders for us. They're up there because now they're in the presence of everything that's promised in this book. And they're saying, hey, run your race. Don't stop. I'm telling you, it's the greatest race you'll ever run. And I know you'll want to give up and you'll get hurt and, and you'll get knocked down and you'll be on spiritual IR at times. Uh, injured reserve, you know, for um, um, you know, sports term. That's okay. Get back up and quit. keep running the race that God set before you because it is worth the patience, it's worth the journey, it's worth the endurance. And so that kind of leads us in to our message this morning. Let me read one more verse, then we'll pray, and it's not long, it's straight to the point. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. He says, cast not away, therefore, your what? Confidence which hath great recompense of what? Reward. Meaning, don't let go of what you've been given. Don't lose sight of what's been promised us. Hold on to it. Because as long as we endure, as long as we press on, long as we continue, no matter how hard it is, how painful it is, press on, endure, the reward is the greatest reward you'll ever get in your life. This is what the author's telling us. So let me pray real quick, and we'll look at uh, Hebrews 12, and we'll walk through this. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, Father, I know we need the rain. I ask that you would subside it for your word, that truth can be clearly understood. But either way, guide us through this truth. Open our ears. Help us to grow in your grace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd stand with me, we're going to read out of Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 12 and 13 as our foundational verses. So if you would, uh, read very aloud with me over the rain. He says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Least that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Oh, there is. That it? Oh, that's it. I'm sorry. I didn't know both were up there. <laughs> be seated. We may have to get a bigger monitor back that back there or eye surgery for me, one of the two. So here we got the, the author of Hebrews gives us a straightforward direction here. He sets us on a path that's going to lead to our healing. So again, you got to keep in context that this letter is being written at a time that, that believers are struggling in their faith. So within this, he uses the words lift, strengthen, and make that we're guided to. Now, these don't sound like relief words, do they? When you're hurting and you're down and you're distraught, life's you know, beating you up, you don't think it's fair, hardship has come your way, somebody comes to you and says, hey, lift it up, strengthen up, get up. That's not real encouraging at the moment. These don't sound like relief words. They sound like work words. Well, they are. They are in the sense that what they really are, they're spiritual rehab words. They're words for healing. Now, when it comes to healing, we can't just pray for healing by itself and sit back with our spiritual feet up in the recliner waiting for God to heal us. 
God will heal us, but he just told us in verses 12 and 13 to lift up our hands, strengthen our feeble knees, set our feet on a path towards healing. So does that mean God's just going to heal us or God's going to direct us to healing? He's going to direct us to healing. Very clear and straightforward, okay? So these aren't words to hurt us. They're words to heal us. They're words of restoration, repair, rebuilding our faith walk in Christ. They are plain and simple. They are spiritual rehab. They are words for spiritual rehab. Wow, that is tough rain, is it not? Y'all hearing anything? Because this is good stuff. All right. You may have to go home and watch it record, the recording online. Oh, now you become front row Christians. See, they're so convicted by the Word of God, it drove them to the front. There you go. There you go. So this word heal, the word heal in verse 13 is a group, uh, the Greek word that not only does it mean cure, but it also means to be made whole. Obviously meaning what we're not compared to what we need to become. And so when God says, I want to heal you, he's already made a statement that, look, you're not what I want you to be. You're not where I want you to be. You're not all that I have for you. We need to do some healing. We need to get to a point of in our hurt, in our pain, in our discouragement to find that healing that God has for us. Now, when you talk about rehab, we're not the youngest church in Greenville, to say the least. There's many of us in here been through knee replacements and hip replacements. And so when we start talking about the word rehab, some of us cringe, do we not? Like, ah, don't use that R word in church, you know? And, and nobody likes rehab. Uh, there's probably, I know at least two things I need to have repaired that the only reason I don't get them repaired so far, me living with it is better than the thought of going through rehab for it. Plain and simple. Sam says, are you going to go to the doctor? No. Nope. Why not? You know it needs to get fixed. It does. Why well, want you to go? Because I don't want to rehab. I don't care about the surgery. I may die in surgery get to go home. I don't have a problem with surgery. My problem is that week after surgery. That's what I want nothing to do with. God bless y'all that have had knee replacements and hip replacements. I know Shirley's been through two. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, my heart goes out to you. The only major thing, well, I've had a couple. I remember I had to have my shoulder rebuilt, not just fixed. They had to rebuild it. They had to, they had to cut a piece of bone off my collarbone, move it. They had to, to put in a new ligament. They had to retie my muscle. I mean, they had to reconstruct. I got a six-inch bolt in my shoulder today. I got a scar from the top that runs down underneath my armpit. And uh, they had to rebuild my shoulder from an injury in, in football. And so I got through and I thought, oh man, surgery's over, shoulder wasn't hurting, you know, I was in a sling for like six weeks. And they said, well, you get to take it off. And I was all excited about that. And they said, well, we need to start rehab. Now I'm 17 years old, the best shape in my life. I'm like, yeah, let's go. That was the worst words I ever said in my life. And uh, I was fortunate, I had connections that the Dallas Cowboys team doctor did my shoulder back then. And so I go to rehab, and if you're an old Cowboys fan, if you remember the player Charlie Waters, strong safety for the Cowboys, well, he was going through a surgery. 
So here I am, a 17-year-old kid, loving football, and I get to meet Charlie Waters, and three days a week, I get to go and hang out with Charlie Waters and do rehab. Well, FYI, Charlie Waters is a lot tougher than I am, because I dare hear him complain the way I complain. Well, long story short, not to you know drag it out, uh, I did something horrible in my rehab. I stopped. I stopped. When I found out I couldn't play football anymore, I was like, then it doesn't matter. Ah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, we know who's living a spiritual life and who's not. <laughs> so anyway, I stopped, my, I stopped my rehab. I was only about th three quarters of the way through it. And I thought, well, that's, I'm, I'm good to go. I, I could do enough. Well, now here I am at 60 years old, and I got like half as much strength in my right, left shoulder as I do my right. I have no mobility to it. I mean, to where I could move my right arm up in my back, I can't get my left arm back. So all these things that came by way because I simply decided to stop my rehab. I gave up. The reason I gave up was discouragement and the pain. It was so painful. I thought the injury hurt. Those that have been, I guess, I haven't gone through knee yet. I don't know if I'll have to or hip. I know the pain was so excruciating that I quit. And it cost me today. Well, I'm here to tell you, spiritually speaking, there are so many Christians that quit. And they quit when it gets the hardest. And a lot of times we get into life and, and pain comes into our life in a myriad of ways. The, the, the individual that Brother Brad and I were talking to, it was just like out of nowhere. A faithful person loved the Lord, walked in the Lord, and just woke up one day and was sitting at work and, and, and just something came upon them that they never experienced. And they were broken. And they were losing hope and, because there was no answer to it. And they've been praying in the home and going through these things. It may be a loss of a loved one. It may be a divorce. It may be a tremendous financial setback. Again, it could be a myriad of things that, that damage us spiritually. But God says, I'm here to heal you. And God's the great healer because he's is he not the great physician. He is our great physician. Not only can he heal us physically, if it's his will, if a miracle takes place, but irregardless of the physical, whether we're dying, maybe God calls Aaron home now at 31. He calls some people home in tragic car wrecks. Some people live to 80, 90, 100. Whether God heals us in the physical or not, what matters is God wants to heal us spiritually more than the physical. He never took the thorn out of Paul's side, did he? No. We know what Job went through. We saw Jeremiah just weeping in his ministry for 40 plus years of, of showing, appearing to be nothing done for good and for God. You can't tell me that Job and Jeremiah, these men, you can't tell me they didn't have what we call anxiety today. 
I guarantee you they had anxiety. I guarantee you they struggled and labored. No matter how much they prayed, no matter how much they did, Jeremiah could get no response in his ministry. And yet, it's one of the major books <laughs> that God gives us to learn from and grow through. So this word heal is God's healing. So my cost physically was I quit. We can't quit. We can't quit whatever we do because the counter to quitting is more detriment. It's more hardship. It's more pain. It's more suffering that we're going to either deal with down the road or we're going to put ourselves in a situation we have to live with it for years in regret. I have great regret over my shoulder. Just a physical thing. It doesn't affect me spiritually, but I think back, I, I had the opportunity to fix it right, and I didn't. But I can tell you this morning as your pastor, there's things in my life spiritually that I still have regret over that I'm still healing through, and God's still taking me through things, that I, I'm still in a spiritual rehab and dealing with as I'm speaking with you this morning. So none of us are immune to it. That's why Hebrews applies to everybody. Now, I can't think of a better illustration than probably David in the Scriptures. The reason I say that because our, our hardships will usually aren't, they're going to fall in one of three areas. One, they're going to come by way of our own bad decisions. They're going to come by way of others' bad decisions or actions against us. Or it's going to come through God's sovereign will that God ordains something for you to grow through. It's going to fall in one of those three categories. It can't just happen happenstance. So when you think of David, did he not make bad decisions? Yeah, Bathsheba, Uriah, her husband, having him killed numbered the israelites in boasting david made a lot of bad personal decisions but did not david have things happen to him against his will yeah saul wanted to kill him his own son absalom wanted to kill him those weren't anything per se david brought upon himself it was others bad decisions and then god got involved in david's life God put him before the lion and the bear, put him before Goliath. Then made him have to go sleep, or sleep with, had to go uh, uh, hang out and live with his, you know, the, the Philistines, their arch enemy. God put David in situations where he was isolated and alone, where God could get his attention, he can grow. Yet through all that, through all the circumstances, all that David faced, one thing David didn't do is that he never lost his humility, and he never gave up on God, no matter where he was. When Nathan came to him, his close friend, Saul's son, when Nathan came to him after him taking Bathsheba and having Uriah killed in, you know, in battle, and Nathan gave the illustration, and, and, and you know, David says, off with the guy's head. That's right. You know, Thou art the man, David. David says, oh, I have sinned against God. See, when it comes to our spiritual healing, three things are probably going to have to take place. And it's a surgical part of our healing. One, it's probably going to take repentance on our part. David repented. David says, I have sinned. David had all the power he wanted as king of Israel. He could have pointed fingers. 
done whatever he wanted to. He tried to cover it up as it was. But no, David was broken. So David learned how to live in repentance. And then when Saul and Absalom and other men were trying to kill him, David had great forgiveness. David, David never had hatred. He never wanted to kill him. He had the opportunity in the cave to kill Saul right, right there. He could have put an end to it right there. David says, no, Saul's a man of God. He's anointed by God. I don't have the right to kill him. And Saul was in that cave trying to kill him. David lived with forgiveness. So it's going to take something. When we get into repentance and we get into forgiveness and we live in humility, humility comes when God gets involved in our lives. When God's sovereign will brings things into our life that gets our attention, that makes us endure things in life that we never wanted to endure, never thought we'd have to endure. But God says, hey, I'm not going to get you whole without a little bit more humility. And when we respond to that humility. So this repentance, this forgiveness, this humility, those are like spiritual surgery. Those are the things that stop the situation from getting worse. Because when we repent, God takes action. When we don't hold anger and bitterness and hatred and murder in our heart towards others because of what they did to us, God says, ah, I can work with that. When we learn to grow in humility through a place that we hadn't, didn't really have it, God says, oh, you're like David. You're becoming a man after my heart. So these th steps in our lives, those bring about the spiritual surgery, so to speak. It stops what was bad from getting worse. But here's the catch. Not a catch, but here's the truth of it. Now that's the start of the process. You start by going and getting the surgery, do you not? You know, my most recent surgery was back surgery. You know, that was forced upon me. I mean, I just, bam, went to my knees. Second worst pain I've ever had in my life. Maybe the worst. You know, that, that wasn't something I had to, there was no humility, forgiveness, or repentance involved. That was just my body going out on me. But when you start with things like that, that's a start. And where it goes from there is a spiritual rehab. And so let me share this with you, and, and, and I'll close this morning. When it comes to spiritual rehab, it's usually going to be direct, and it's going to be fast in implementation. Insurance today. You have surgery that morning. If not that afternoon, at the very latest, within 24 hours, they got your popo up out of bed, do they not? Come on, get up, let's go, start moving. You're like, I don't want to move. Yeah, well, you're going to move because you need to, and your insurance company told you you had to. <laughs> you know, so for different reasons, it's quick. It's immediate. God doesn't want us to wallow in our pain. God doesn't make us have to go through seasons. We can have instant restoration start taking place in our life. If we go through repentance, if we go through forgiveness and humility, God can start restoring things in a blink of an eye and start the rehab process. But it's a rehab process for God to get us back or get us to where he wants us to get. If you think of 2 Samuel 11 and 12, this was when it was brought to David's attention of what he did, his sins. You realize it wasn't until the 22nd chapter 
of Samuel. Yeah, here it is, verse 1. And David spake unto the Lord the words of his what? Song. In the day that the Lord had what? Delivered him. It took 13 chapters later for David ever started singing and penning a song of restoration. If you go back and read 2 Samuel and you see what God took David all the way through, that was his spiritual rehab process. What he had done wrong, and when he had his repentance and his forgiveness and the spiritual surgery took place, God says, all right, it's not going to get worse. Now we're going to make it better. And he took, took David through a lot for David to finally depend a song of rejoicing for God's deliverance in his life. So let's go back and look at Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 6. And we need to remember that these verses leading up to Hebrews 12 are all about discipline of the Lord. This is what Hebrews is talking about. It's being written about bringing in spiritual discipline, spiritual order into our lives. Now, after you have surgery, does the doctor say, oh, you just need to do some rehab? Well, what do I do? I don't know. Just go out and do some exercises. Is that what they tell you? No. Or is the PT trainer, are they not specific on what you're going to do? They will have exercises, things you do that are specific to an individual muscle or ligament or tendon or joint. They're not worried about your you know, your right ankle if you had left shoulder surgery. Everything they do is going to be directed and, 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 and purposeful, in my case, towards your shoulder or your knee or your hip, whatever it is. And so God's a God of order. God's a God of purpose. And so when he starts the rehab, he's going to take you through where you need restoration in that area of your faith. It's not going to be just a big umbrella course you go through. It's going to be specific. And so it's about discipline in the rehab process. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 6. And let me read these. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, and is set down to the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint, in our minds, in your minds, you have not yet resisted unto blood. Now stop there for a second. Jesus, well, the author is saying, look, hold on a second. Understand what your Lord and Savior has gone through. To the point of blood, meaning that Christ died in his pain and suffering so we can have spiritual healing. The author is saying, look, keep in mind, you haven't had to die yet for your hardship." So no matter, it may feel like you're dying, we're not dying. We're just rehabbing. So resist unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thy, what? Chastening, correction, God's rod or reproof of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So he doesn't hold anything back. If we want healing, if we need healing, understand God is all in for us. And he's all in specifically knowing what we need 
and how we need it. Our job is that we need to keep in mind that it's not going to kill us. Now, it's, I never one time have I ever gone to a rehab or heard or talked to anybody that's gone to a rehab that says, man, I'm so excited about my rehab's today at 10 o'clock. You know, Brother Brad was telling me when he had his, his knee done that he, he so loved his physical trainer that he got her a T-shirt that said Terminator. Not Terminator, Torment. Like tormenting, Terminator. You know, I think we all could have given one of those to our, our trainers. But watch it. Is that trainer there to be your friend? Are they really concerned about how painful this is to you? No. But are they concerned when you start wanting to give up and get discouraged? You know, complaining, they don't care. You can complain all you want to as long as you just keep on doing the exercise. That's the way the Lord is with us. He's thick skinned. We can complain to the Lord all we want to long as we stay on our spiritual rehab program. God will say, you're doing good. And in the hurt, there's healing. Surgery is the easy part. We're knocked out for surgery. Oh, we got a little soreness when we wake up. They give you some good pain pills. That goes away. It's the rehab. That's the importance. I was re read a book by David Mathis. It's called The Habits of Grace. It's, it's a good book. Uh, I'm not good at finishing books. I'm good at reading the highlight parts. But it's uh, called The Habits of Grace. And he wonderfully summarizes the disciplines he puts them in three simple phases. I thought it was so good. And it falls right in line when it comes to our spiritual rehab and healing. He says, one, he says, hear God's voice. Hear God's voice. Simply put, soak in the words of God. That which God is right restores us back to being right, does it not? In, in, in talking to this young know, brother Brad and I was talking to him uh, on Friday or Thursday I believe it was uh, you got to love the humility and one of the questions that the Holy Spirit put in my heart and knowing that they love the Lord this individual I said where are you in your devotions have you been in the word of God and with great transparency without doubt didn't make an excuse one with complete humility says I haven't been now, that statement right there, it was a broken statement. It wasn't just throwing an answer out. The head went down a little bit. The shoulders dropped. No excuse. Immediate answers. I haven't been. Now, that statement right there, that statement of humility and repentance was a spiritual surgery. God says, all right, we understand each other. And I think Brother Brad spoke in, or spoke up and, and threw in the fact that, you know, how important the Word of God is. There was no argument. And we, and we set before this individual how they can motivate themselves to get back in the Word of God daily. Now, I know Brother Brad and I get up here all the time talking about a time and a place. And I'm telling you, you know, part of my calling and Brother Brad we have to be in the Word of God. But it's not like eating candy or something. Sometimes it's laborsome, even as a pastor. Hey, I need to sit down. I need to clear my head. I need to shut my door, put on some light music, 
and I need to shut up and read and listen to God. I have to force myself. Don't think, well, you and Brad have it easy. Y'all just get to read God's Word all day long, and it just screams to you. No, it doesn't. I can't speak for Brother Ray. Well, I think he does. He said it before. But what we have learned to do is, no matter what, to be in it daily. And there may be some days we read, and it's, man, I've read that before. I know that story. Nothing jumped out. And you keep on reading in the subject matter. And it, it may be all of a sudden, somewhere in the week, during the week, it's that, bam, the Holy Spirit speaks, and you get a truth. You're like, wow, there it goes. I've read this story a million times and never got that truth out of it. So if we want spiritual rehab in our life like the Father has for us, it's going to start with the Word of God. That's where it starts. Just like if you get the note from the doctor, here's your spiritual rehab program. This is what you're going to do. And we've got to make sure we start with that, with the Word of God daily in our lives. And whatever you have to do, however you have to prepare your mind, start with prayer, get the Holy Spirit involved who wrote the Scriptures, that anoints it and, and, and reveals it to us, the truth's hidden within it. Get the Holy Spirit involved and get in the Word of God daily. I don't care what your schedule is. I don't care how you don't think, think you have time for it or how boring it is. Get in it daily if you truly want to be rehabbed spiritually because you will not reach the fullness of your rehab without the word of god can't get there number two one have god's voice two have god's ear the voice of prayer romans 12 12 tells us rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer that word instance, always, continually, ongoing, without end. Praying for what? Your needs? No. Praying for revelation. Praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal God's guidance, God's direction, God's truth for your life. You don't get to go into rehab and say, well, what all you have, let me pick what I want to do. No, this, if you're going to do it, this is what you're going to do. And our prayer goes before the Lord, and we get the Lord's guidance, the Lord's direction, the Lord's purpose for our lives. And number three, belong to God's body or belong to God's gym. Point being, church is not for the healthy. You got that? God didn't build the church for the healthy. God built the church for the humbled who are injured. It's for the broken seeking healing. It's the ultimate rehab facility. Every one of us here have a measure in our life, have an area in our life that God is doing, wants to do, or desires to do spiritual rehab in our life. We have a weakness in our faith somewhere that God's wanting us to grow in His Word. So what does church do? Church empowers you. The church puts you around those others that are hurting, that are struggling. And we encourage one another. We pray for one another. We lift one another up in the admonition of the Lord. Encourage them. Press on. Press on. Hebrews 10.35. Your recompense, the reward, is greater than anything else you can achieve in the flesh. But we have to endure. 
So these three over, you know, disciplines, so to speak, these are the spiritual rehabs in our life. Exercises that comprise God's primary faith rehab program. This is the way, you know, the weak become strong. The weak and the weary people. He tells us to lift up our drooping hands, strengthen our weak knees, make straight our feet the paths that they walk. There's nothing exciting about it. Rehab is not exciting. It's not encouraging. It's not really uplifting. The only thing encouraging about it and uplifting is the end result. If I can endure this, if I can press on through this, I will come out with a strength in my faith that I didn't have going in. And it will be full restoration. It will be restored and will be rebuilt more in the image of Christ. Let me close with these last two verses. First one comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It tells us this. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Amen. Who likes to be corrected by the Lord? Yeah. Yeah, ooh. Yeah, it can be painful. It's not joyous. God tells us it's not joyous. But grievous. Nevertheless. There's your word. Underline that. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the what? Peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby daily. We all want fruit. We all desire fruit. We all should be producing fruit. But that comes through daily exercise, spiritual rehab in the Lord. Pressing on, keeping on. All of our hard efforts to learn, to hear God's voice, to have God's ears, to belong to God's body, will later bear glorious and happy, fruitful results. Look what it says in Hebrews 12, 7. We'll close with this. If you, what? Uh, there it is. You've got to underline that word. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chaseth not? Why do we hold our children to strict standards? Why do we challenge our children to walk a certain path? Why do we hold our children accountable? Why do we chasten our children? Why do we sometimes have to bring our wrath upon our children? All because we have a desired end for them, do we not? We want them to be the best that they can be as young men and young women in God. For our Heavenly Father treats us no different than we have the desire for our children. He wants His children to receive and get all that He has for them. But it takes daily exercise on our part. It requires us showing up at the spiritual gym weekly. It requires us lifting up our, our voice in prayer, seeking God's will, seeking God's actions, the exercises He has for us. And it requires us being in God's Word, where it's all directed from. That's the spiritual rehab we're called to. Surgery part, that's easy. We get that by repentance, forgiveness, humility. 
the surgery takes place. God says, now we're going to get down to business. Now we're going to make you better than you were. And this is what we have to do. That's where we have to endure. That's where we have to know if we keep on pressing on, as Paul said, keep our eyes on the cross, knowing that this isn't a, this isn't a joyous time in our life, but it's a time that will reap fruit in our lives. It'll be the greatest thing we've ever gone through. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. We continue to rejoice over Aaron. And Father, just continue to pray for him that uh, while he's on his back in a hospital, that there'll be a time just to reflect on your love for him, that he can find some peace and encouragement through you. But Father, just like he had a, uh, a spiritual surgery Friday through the gospel that healed his heart for eternity, they're us as believers, just like the, the Christians in the book of Hebrews that were struggling in their faith. They were on the edge, were willing to, so close to want to just give up in their hope and in their strength. Father, we've all been there certain times, certain ways, or maybe it's coming. But we need to understand and know that you have healing for us. You are the great physician. You do heal. You do restore, rebuild. And replenish all that we lose in the flesh. But Father, that only comes through spiritual rehab. And uh, we know that's not fun. You tell us in your scriptures it's not joyous. It's burdensome, it's heavy, it's hard, it's painful. But if we endure, it's a healing that we can't obtain on our own. And it'll bring to us full restoration, it'll rebuild us into the image of Christ stronger than we ever were. Father, help us to take this to heart, knowing that when seasons come in our life and uh, we make bad decisions or others do things to us that, uh, that uh, cripple us spiritually or, Lord, maybe it's just, again, your sovereign will wanting to grow us, that uh, through that all, through all that, you're the great physician. You heal, you restore we're willing to uh, just go through a little rehab we thank you for your faithfulness your love your endurance with us and pray that we likewise can endure in your promises as the music plays as the Lord leads you maybe it's a good time to start with a little repentance or maybe forgiveness towards someone else maybe it's just coming and humbling ourselves to the Lord's will that's the spiritual surgery part of it we got to do that before we can start the rehab don't fear the rehab Righteousness, we're told.
anybody that's uh, been through rehab knows it's the most arduous thing you do. It's hard. It's hard keeping a schedule. You, in order to get you have to keep the schedule. I regretted every day I went through rehab, and I hated my therapist. Not any therapist I had that made me go through rehab. I hated him. But you know what? If I kept the schedule, in the end, I got to walk again. Hindrance. And uh, so Brother Todd is right. The, the hardest part is keeping that schedule of staying in the Bible and going to church. It's arduous. It's, it's hard sometimes in keeping that spiritual schedule. But there's your rehab, and it's a part of the great healing. And so keep that in mind. It's going to be hard, spiritually speaking, to read your Bible every day and to pray every day and to schedule church into your life and, and all the rest. But that's what gets you to the end where you're whole. So thank you, Brother Todd. It was good Thursday, and it's good again today. <laughs> Father, thank you for our time here this morning, and uh, we thank you for just putting us through spiritual rehab. But, Lord, that doesn't mean we want to go through it. Yet if we keep the schedule, you said there's great results in the end, and we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.